Good morning, everybody. This is Marcia Talbot, and you're welcome to The Real Real Estate Show. Um, I have two special guests today and um, one co-host who is running a little late. So uh, Susan Dermody is on her way. Uh, Rachel Heiss is a super pinch hitter today. And we have a special guest, which um, I'm very excited about, Philip Wyden, who is... Philip, tell me, I think you are the Government Affairs Correct. Director uh, Correct. for uh, HGAR, which is what we call Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors. So we'll have him on in a minute. I do want to say that this is a call-in show, so you can reach us at 845-651-1110. And we are WTBQ 93.5 on the dial, and we are live streaming at wtbq.com. So, let's all start. All Rachel. right. Well, good <laughs> morning. Thank you, Pink Cheater. <laughs> good yes. morning. So, basically, I'm sitting at my desk and just doing my, my Monday usual, going through emails, and I get a phone call from Marsha. I pick it up, and she says, can you come to the radio show? I'm like, what do you mean? The surprise guest. <laughs> so, uh, so, Suzanne, if you're listening on your way in, yes, we're, we're okay right now. We're, we're not in a super panic because you were running a little late this morning. Um, Marsha and I did discuss before the show that we were going to put you on the spot and let everyone know that you forgot you were supposed to be on the show today. <laughs> it's because she lives a very busy life. And yes. maybe, hopefully, she was very busy this weekend. I'm sure she was. <laughs> I know I know. most of you guys were very busy this weekend. The office was busy. There was a lot of activity. Um, we actually, we had a great walk-in person who came in to put their house on the market. So Super. that was amazing because we, we definitely love listings. <laughs> well, I think the fact that there are so few houses on the market today yeah. that as we say every single week, you know, if you're thinking about it, this is the time to do it. Even though it doesn't quite look like spring, it is and people are out. And it doesn't feel like spring either. I was just, I uh, <laughs> yes, there, there's a new season that's been invented and, and we're experiencing it right now. It's called Sprinter. 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 <laughs> that means you run fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the spring that never came. <laughs> I know. You know what's going to happen? We're going to have one day, and then it's going to be 90 degrees, which I'll be happy about. <laughs> yeah, I probably won't. I'm not know, a fan of 90 degrees. So I'll wear my winter coat in the office. I know. <laughs> yes, yes. There you go. So, Philip, you've yes. came a long way. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So I am the Government Affairs Director for the Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors. Um, I am from, grew up on Long Island. I live on Long Island. From Came from actually Woodbury Island, which our chief always mixes with Woodbury, town of Woodbury here in Orange County. Well, that's why they always direct you here. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But so no, so I, um, our main office is in White Plains, New York. Um, our other office is in Goshen, right here in Orange County. Um, and we cover five counties as the Hudson Gateway Association. We cover Orange County, Putnam County, Rockland County, Westchester County, and Manhattan now. Um, and it is uh, a pleasure to be here, um, and it is uh, on this beautiful day. Um, and I, so I worked in, I've actually, as of April 6th, I've been with the Hudson Gateway Association uh, three years now uh, as their Director of Government Affairs, and I advocate for the realtors and for the real estate industry 
um, and for home ownership rights at the state, local, and federal levels. Um, we actually just went to Albany to meet with all our legislators from the Senate and Assembly um, about our legislative agenda, and it was a very successful day. We had the biggest turnout we've ever had. Uh, we had 75 people um, attend attend Lobby Day this year. Two of us a, are in this room. And yeah. two of, right, two of you came, which was which was a pleasure to have you both, and we hope we get even bigger turnout next year. Um, and there were many agenda items we lobbied for. Um, before this, to mention just a bit of history, I was with the Long Island Board of Realtors for seven years. Uh, before this as their legislative liaison and regulatory associate. And I've been in and out of state and local government in Nassau County and New York State. I worked for Tom DiNapoli and Tom Swazi and um, Gary Ackerman in Congress. So I've seen seen everything at all levels of government, good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit about myself and happy to talk about the agenda. I think that most people don't know what we do and how, well, certainly you do, to protect people's interests right. and to make it fair. Right. So there's more than just protecting interests. Right, of course. So I, I would appreciate if you went over just a few of what we had actually lobbied for. Right. So we, we lobbied basically every year our Legislative Steering Committee and Legislative Legal Issues Council, which decides the policy for the association. Uh, comes up with a series of agenda items uh, that we lobby for. Of course, uh, New York State Association of Realtors, also known as NYSAR, has their own agenda that they lobby for, which is which we take from theirs. We share it, um, but we try to prioritize a few priorities, sometimes five priorities or ten, uh, that we think benefits us and that we think is most important to us. Uh, that affect our five our five counties. Um, so some of the agenda items this year, uh, one of them, Governor Cuomo likes the idea and signed, but uh, kicked uh, how to pay for it back to the legislature. And that is the first time homebuyer savings account, also known as the New York First Home Program. And it would allow uh, first time buyers, married couples, to put $10,000 away tax-free in a New York State savings account. Uh, to, to use towards the down payment or upfront costs of buying a home. So it's like a 401k. Very similar or 529. In, in, right, or that's the way it's set up. Right, that's legally. the way it would be set up legally, would be yeah. like kind of like the 529 college savings program. Um, and singles could put $5,000 and use that towards the down payment of a home. Which is really funny because, of course, they don't get the, the, the price of the home isn't going to be any less if you're not married or you're single. So you think about True. it that way. Absolutely. It's really interesting. It should yeah. be, as we're talking about it, shouldn't it just be an allowance? Yeah. Because if you're a first-time home buyer and you do not have a partner or married or whatever, the cost of your home doesn't diminish because you're single. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> but right. a lot of things work that way, yeah. you know, with yeah. married couples, like the deductions for um, capital gains, you exactly. know, and the exemptions and things like that. They always give you more if you're a married couple. Which Maybe we should fair. lobby. No, we I should mean, lobby for there that. There you go. There's, <laughs> there's our agenda for next year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Uh, so that, that was actually, so that was NYSAR's uh, number one priority, and that was also our priority. Um, we think if we can get, uh, there was disagreement between the governor and the legislature and us on how much it costs, and that's where really the disagreement kicks in. The governor, uh, kicked when he kicked it back, the idea to the legislature, he said he wanted a study done on how to pay for it and how to roll it out. 
uh, the New York State Comptroller, Tom DiNapoli, would take probably about, about a year, give or take a little more, maybe a little less, to roll out this program uh, for New York State, for new home buyers. Um, so it would be, I think it would be a great idea. The legislature uh, has to do a study on it, how to pay for it. But if they don't get a study done, then supposedly it, it will become law and start to roll out within the next year. Although with Albany, again, you never know what they could do or postpone. Um, there are many other things we lobbied for. One of them, I lobbied against actually too. One of them, I'm pl uh, pl it's a pleasure to say, as of last week, we defeated any new proposed real estate transfer tax hikes. And That's so important. Yeah, the state wanted to put new to slap new transfer taxes on properties above five million or properties if you owned or had foreign investors or just uh, people who want to flip homes in the city. They wanted a 15 percent tax if you sold the property in less than one year and a 10 percent flip tax if you sold in less than two years. Uh, we beat all of those real estate tax hikes in the budget. We beat that back. Yeah, I do want to say that it's not as truly applicable here. Right. But. It does have residual effect in terms of of commercial properties and how that might affect us in the future. Right, absolutely. And they, they never stop there. When they start at some high, higher level of value, they'll right. grant that they will come down to two or one million Which in the will future. affect us. Right, which will affect here. And one of our other agenda items here is the mansion tax at $1 million or more when a house is sold. Um, the mansion tax is critical uh, that we raise that threshold. Philip, I'm going to interrupt you and we're going to take a and we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is Suzanne Dermody, an associate broker at Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty in the Goshen office. Whether you are a first-time buyer or relocating or a seller, rest assured your journey will be a memorable learning experience. For more information, please visit my website at suzanne.dermody.randrealty.com. S-U-S-A-N-N-E dot D as in David, E-R-M-I-G-N-Y dot randrealty.com. Hi, this is Mike Abramson, your house doctor from All Dry USA. Tune in every Saturday at 1130 a.m. where I'll prescribe the right remedy for mold, fire, and water damage and preventative maintenance for your home on WTBQ Radio Worth Listening To. Hi, this is Dan Castricone, host of the Dan Castricone Radio Show every Thursday from 12 to 1. We'll talk some politics, have guests, current events, always lots of fun. Thursdays, 12 to 1 on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. WTBQ. I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. Welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show. This is Marsha Talbot with Rachel Heiss and Philip Wyden, and we can continue our conversation about lobbying and what your real, what your real estate area and your your real estate association does for you great so some of the other priorities that i wanted to mention i mentioned the new york state mansion tax uh we want to raise the threshold to about 1.7 or 1.8 million dollars at which the tax kicks in assemblyman david buckwald from westchester has a bill in the assembly uh to um raise that threshold and then tie it to the rate of inflation so that in future years that tax won't hit 
um, middle-income home buyers. A million dollars was considered a lot of money um, in the 80s, and it's still a lot of money, but it's not as it's not the same value today as it was in 1989 or 1995 or whatnot. So we think that should be raised to keep up with the rate of inflation and give some relief to the mid-Hudson and the lower Hudson Valley region. Um, it does affect, you know, Westchester area greater than here. Correct. But I was surprised about how many properties, I think, Rachel, you had looked that up, over a million dollars that were sold in Orange County. Yeah. I don't have that. Uh, I didn't think about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, <laughs> we should have looked that up, and we could probably look it up on the next break or, or while She's Philip's talking about the next. phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely not that many. <laughs> that I no, can tell true. you for sure. Um, I mean, I know, you know, here in Warwick, a, a bi-level high ranch might be, you know, higher threes at the current time in the current market. And in Westchester, you're probably paying like 750, 800,000 for yeah. that same type of bi-level. So, um, you know, definitely the, the prices are, are different within the two regions. But not to say we don't have million-dollar properties here, because we, we certainly do, um, just not as plentiful as in Westchester County. Yes, so what else? So some of the others, that some of our other agenda items, the New York State, uh, we have two co-op bills, and this actually commemorates well with our 50th anniversary of the Fair Housing Act in 1968. Uh, we, want, we just recently passed in Rockland County, and we're working on it at the New York State level, a co-op reform bill, also known as co-op transparency and co-op fair housing. The bill is now law in Rockland and takes effect this summer and says that a co-op board must accept or reject a buyer in 45 days or less from the time that the buyer receives the application from the co-op board. The board must also notify uh, your prospective buyer within 10 days of receiving that application that they have received it. Um, those are two timeline components that would really uh, speed up the purchase and approval of co-op housing. Now, co-ops are not a lot of them, uh, if any, up here in Orange County, but they affect downstate um, in terms of uh, the lower Hudson, the mid-Hudson region, for, for a lot of buyers that um, may buy a second home or come up here as their primary residence after they sell, uh, the, a lot of buyers may sell their co-op as their first uh, property before home ownership, since it's a share of a corporation. And uh, we want to speed up that process. We also uh, are lobbying for a bill in Westchester and at the state level that includes those timelines and would also put in that a co-op board must provide a written reason in writing stating why a board is denying somebody. I think Phil, people don't understand that co-ops can be totally discriminatory. Right. So if they didn't like the tie that you're wearing that day, I know this is a silly example, but they can deny you and you do not know why. Correct. I remember when my son was uh, purchasing a co-op in the city and he called me up and started discussing what he should wear. And I go, why? What are we talking about? He always dresses nicely. He goes, mom, if they don't like the way I look, they can say no. And the, they can say no and you never know why. So the, I just think it's, you know, certainly... Uh, important that people are informed as to why they were rejected right. in a timely manner. So I'm very excited. Even though it doesn't apply here in Orange County, I just think it's fair. Yeah, no, it, it really does matter. And you have, 
You have people that you know own multiple properties who may want to buy a co-op in the city, but and then buy a buy a house or a home in Orange County or Sullivan County or Ulster County, and it's 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 a critically important issue um, for both fairness on the discriminatory side. Uh, people are not told why they're being rejected, and the critical reason in uh, to get this law passed or get this bill passed rather is because co-op housing is the only form of housing you're not told why you're being denied. It's literally discriminatory. Right, absolutely. And it's against our, my concept of fair housing. Right. Which when Susan gets here, we're gonna go over ethics. <laughs> <laughs> agreed, agreed. It's 100% important. Um, and it's, it, it's important that everybody knows that and knows what the protected classes are at the state, local, right. and federal level. Um, co-op boards typically can take you know months on end to approve or deny someone or give them no answer and you see cases all the time of somebody losing uh, their loan their loan because of that or uh, some some other financial guarantee that they have to help purchase the the, uh, the co-op and they lose their uh, they lose their ability to get into that yeah well, and just one more thing, financially related, the co-op board won't meet with that applicant until they have a mortgage loan commitment. So the commitment has an expiration on it, which and is usually, yeah, I mean, you know, let's say it's 30 to 45 days for that commitment. And then when the expiration comes and you want to extend it, that's going to be a cost. So I think it's really important for them to take that timeline and abide to that that 45 day rule. I mean, hey, it would be nice if they did 30 days, but <laughs> let's start with with 45, right? And then right. and then ask for a little bit more. So I think that's really important. And we do have a few co-ops in Orange County. I mean, I there's two. I think there's, yeah, there's one in Cornwall and over in Monroe, they actually have a community of detached homes that is considered a co-op. Co-op um, land. So, so it's, it's very interesting. So, so it affects us somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not, right. It does. Well, so we're there lobbying for them. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> also, Philip, one of the other things which does affect certainly Warwick and Orange County more so is the wetlands uh, bill. So if you could go over that with us. Absolutely. So the wetlands bill, currently the department, the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, also known as DEC, um, has oversight of, of land, of uh, sold land and private lands of 12 acres or more in the state of New York. Uh, New York is notoriously one of the worst states uh, to do business in terms of the approval process, in terms of building, in terms of getting a, a development project approved. Um, in a downtown or really anywhere, um, it takes usually at least three years to even get a yes or a no on a project. And the DEC, for any reason that they deem extraordinary, uh, can, can stop a project if they want to. Um, right now, 12 acres or more is their oversight authority at which they can regulate land. Uh, they want to take this down to now one acre. So there is a bill in the both houses of the legislature, and we need to fight hard against this because it would, it would stifle any proposed new projects, any development projects on both residential and commercial in the future, uh, to build uh, more than one acre of land without getting approval then from the Department of Environmental Conservation. So if that happened, they could come in and say, well, we, we d judge that this is pollution and uh, there is an insect that is on the, in, you know, that is an endangered species, even if the insect is not on the endangered species list. Uh, this happens all the time across New York State. It's not that we're against 
environmental regulations. No, it's not just, at all. This is out of control. Right, right. And so we're not against environmental regulation, and we we're, we obviously absolutely support clean drinking water um, and all that sort of uh, sort of issues and and proposals. But this takes it down to a level where they can literally uh, stop anything in its tracks, and it also takes away local authority. If you have to go to the Department of Envir Environmental Conservation on top of your town zoning board, your town board, your city council, uh, then then we really lose our ability to be a home rule state. I also want to point out that if somebody has a larger parcel, and I'm not even talking about major development, and they want to do a small, they want to cut off part of their own property. Right. Say they have ten acres. Right. And they want to create uh, another a building lot of five acres. And I'm, again, this is just arbitrary amounts. That means you would not be able to do that without DEC approval. The fact is that it's also much more costly. Right. Every time you add another layer, it becomes a cost factor in that development because then the town, you, so you have the town, then you have another, uh, another layer on top of it, which you, you, and that what, what that means is permits and people to inspect. Right, absolutely. Uh, you see that happening, and you see also we have not only the DEC, but we have environmental reviews that they must submit, which we're not against, but they must also go through that a developer to get approvals for projects. And uh, we had a, that's not in effect because we were able to lobby successfully to defeat it, a proposed what's known as from the Environmental Protection Agency, a water of the United States rule, which would have deemed um, any body of water not connected to a main ocean or a river, uh, could have been as small as a little pond on a property, it would deem it as a major body of water. So the EPA, if that had gone into effect, could have then told you, nope, you can't build here uh, because there's a little pond or a, a teeny, teeny stream not connected to anything. Um, so that would have stifled complete development at the federal level, too. Well, everybody who wants to have a little pond on your property, uh, and there are rules and regulations about how close the well could be to the water. So people are protected. This is just an additional question here. Right. This is this is <laughs> this is ex excessive regulation um, that we feel goes beyond the pale of what what is necessary. So I wanted to say a little bit about lobby day and what actually the what you physically do with um, and maybe you can go over that as how we go to visit our um, representatives because I think that's important that people know that we are there. Absolutely. Um, so lobby day, what we do is we went up, we went up on March 20th, and what we do is we go up, we take a bus uh, from a couple locations. So if you live uh, west of the river, um, then you start at the West Nyack office, and then the bus goes up to the Newburgh Mall. Uh, for you guys, you guys get to leave in bright, nice, bright and early 7 a.m. Uh, for the I one think it was earlier for it might have been earlier to get there. <laughs> yeah. We left at 6, right? Well, no, I think we left the office at 6. Yeah, so we, we did leave Newburgh at 7. Yeah. <laughs> For the White Plains crowd, it's uh, seven a, uh, 6 a.m. And if you are the unlucky people who live in Suffolk County, Long Island, for the Long Island Board of Realtors, it is 5 a.m. that they oh. must leave. Um, so we lucked out, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> we were good. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Um, so we go up, we, we lobby every day, um, every year, and we meet with the legislators. And I'm going to interrupt you because we're going to take another break. Come on back, hear the rest of our conversations. And this is WTBQ, The Real Real Estate Show.
Hi, this is Christine Koenig with Better Homes and Garden Rand Realty, and I love real estate. I grew up helping my dad fix up his investment properties. That knowledge and experience has fueled my passion for real estate. Licensed in New York and New Jersey, I focus my business in Orange, Sussex, and Passaic counties. Check out my website at christinekoenig.randrealty.com or listen to The Real Real Estate Show. Mondays at 10 a.m. Hi, this is Veronica Daugherty, a licensed real estate agent for 12 years with Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty. Although based in Warwick, I also serve Orange, Sullivan, and Ulster counties. My primary goal is to ensure that your home buying or selling experience is successful, meets your needs and desires, and is stress-free. For more information, visit veronicadaugherty.randrealty.com or call 845-544-5807. Hi, this is Grace Warren, a licensed real estate agent for Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty for more than 17 years, and I'm ready to hear your wants and needs, and then I will help you fulfill your goals. As a full-time residential specialist and longtime resident of Orange County, I know the Orange County market very well, and whether you're a buyer or seller, my priority is your satisfaction. For more information, please visit my website, gracewarren.randrealty.com, and let's get together. Hello, this is Mark Chisholm, wine and liquor enthusiast extraordinaire, inviting you to join me every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. to share the art of wine, what's new, what's vintage, what's traditional, right here on WTVQ Radio, worth listening to. Hi, this is Peter Feller of A&T Healthcare, your one call for the finest in home healthcare. Tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. to hear the latest news on everything health-related because your health does matter right here on WTBQ Radio, worth listening to. WTBQ Weather. Guys, it'll be partly sunny today. We'll head into the 40s again, closer to 50 later on. Tonight, cloudy skies, and there could be a little light snow flurry overnight. We'll head down into the upper 20s. Tomorrow, look for clouds and some morning snow and rain, and then mostly cloudy in the afternoon, 45 to around 50. Cloudy tomorrow night and then becoming partly cloudy overnight, heading down to the upper 20s again and mostly sunny for Wednesday and temperatures should get up closer a little over 50. I'm Tony Salimo from the WTBQ Weather Center. WTBQ. I'm gonna make this place your Welcome back to WTBQ. Thank you for staying with us. I'm sure because this is such an exciting show today. You guys have so much information. And yes, I was a little late getting here. Welcome I, back. I, I, heard, <laughs> I heard they uh, <laughs> threw me under the bus. But anyway, so uh, yeah, Phil, thank you for being here. You're oh, doing a great job. This thank is you. awesome. And Marcia for... Uh, carrying the show for me, and Rachel also for covering in for me. She was a great pinch. Yeah, she's great. (laughs) So we want to continue where we left off. You guys were um, talking about uh, the condos and the co-ops. That's so fascinating to me because, you know, all of us being... You know, we're just a stone's throw from Manhattan. Um, you know, I mean, I look for down the road to buying something in, in New York, and, you know, I would love that. But, you know, the scrutiny of a condo board is aggressive. Yeah. We actually have a place in the city. My family does. And uh, fortunately, we've had it a long time. It was inherited. My dad gave it to my brothers. And uh, I think if they had the opportunity to get my brothers out, they would. I mean, how do, what happens there, though? If, if a condo board, actually, if they have you on, do they have the right 
Did you have the right to get you out, or what is the story well, with that? So, co- well, condos is easy to get in and out. You don't a need co-op, a, right. right. Yeah. Co-op. So for condos, you don't you know you don't yeah, need sure. the approval. But co-op boards really they have unlimited power in terms of how long they take. They could take for a, you know a long time, drag their feet, um, and then the sale could go could not go through. Right, but if the sale no. goes through and after oh, you know a few years, oh, they don't like you and they anymore? don't they don't feel that you fit their bill. Right. Okay, so I'm just going to give our example. So mine was, and this is just a hypothetical, but it's actually, uh, my dad purchased it, and then when he passed away, he left it to my siblings. We rent it out. Um, Actually, my son lives there. So we rent it out, and what if they say, oh, you know, we really don't like tenants in this place, even though they're allowed. We want to start eliminating that. None of us live in Manhattan, um, so this is a rental property for us. Do they have that authority to kind of start backpedaling uh, the, once once you're approved and you're living there, it's very hard to get them out. Uh, it's this not, is good news. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. not. I'm, I'm not going to say it's imp- it, nothing's impossible. And for that, you could consult uh, Leon Cameron, who is our counsel for the um, Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors. That's okay. pr- probably that would probably be more of a legal question and legal okay. area okay. of expertise. Okay. But once you're approved, that's the the arduousness of uh, the process is a little bit easier. Right, that because that is a concern because once right. you have a couple generations, but wouldn't it know. be if it they fulfill all the requirements that are in that legal initial agreement and their stock, then it, they. It would be hard, I would think, to to remove somebody. Right. My guess is it would be extremely hard to move somebody. And to do that, they'd have to take umpteen legal proceedings and go through a lengthy, lengthy legal process okay. uh, to do that. Um, the, you know, the, the, the bigger probably problem is, um, is that when, when you do something, once you own it, if you, um, as you know, if you do something inside the apartment or want to renovate it or paint it is you may need approval from the co-op board. Uh, it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of internal regulations. Whereas if you own a condo, once right. you own that condo inside, you can do whatever you would like essentially with it. So I should get the rules and regs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would look into their, their, their bylaws. Can't there. sleep one night. <laughs> yeah. Well, you again, if we don't, no, I, I don't, meant I don't the, know. You the prospectus is probably right. impossible. You never know, but I would certainly, definitely call uh, the HGAR offices in White Plains mm-hmm. um, uh, and ask for Leon Cameron. Uh, he's great, very knowledgeable, and he's their uh, their counsel for the Hudson Gateway Association. And now that we're going to be in Manhattan, right? So he would be our legal representative. Yeah, yeah, he would be able to give you that advice, and um, our counsel outside uh, the association, okay. uh, who we contract out, John Dolgetta, uh, might also know this. Of John Dol- John Dolgetta Law uh, would have some uh, insight on this. Um, so it would really be. Um, uh, great uh, in terms of contacting them and even have them on your show in terms of different scenarios and things that they could help with because That's they're really knowledgeable on this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, do you have any more uh, questions to cover on? I think we co-ops? did what we were started to talk about is lo- uh, what we do physically on Lobby Day right. besides getting yes, up at extraordinary that, yeah. amounts of time early. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so what we were talking about for Lobby Day is we go up once a year. Um, we also have um, other meetings that we go up to um, other points in the year. But our Lobby Day is the one time when we get all the realtors from really all over the entire state of New York 
to come up to Albany and lobby for our legislative agenda. And the way we do it is we go and we get a NYSAR briefing from the New York State Association of Realtors, um, from Mike Kelly, who's uh, NYSAR's uh, government affairs director and does a phenomenal job. And we then go over to the hearing room, uh, hearing room A in the legislative office building, which is their version of like the congressional office building. Um, and we meet with all the legislators that we cover from all five counties. We invite them all. Um, sometimes you get three and sometimes you get 15 or 20 legislators come in. And it's really uh, a great give and take. We we sometimes do roundtables where we have them talk about it. Uh, sometimes we assign realtors um, a, a topic and they speak about it to the legislators. And for those who don't show up, then we then go to their office after and meet either with a senator or assembly person or staffer um, who are extremely knowledgeable and just as good as the lawmakers. Yeah, sure. And we meet with them and talk about our issues. And then we also now are, have a new program where we're following up with our legislators for the realtors in their district office. On top of me meeting with them, we break up into teams in the home counties and go to their district office and meet with them about the issues. Um, so it really is a, a great experience um, for both the realtor, for the legislators, because they see uh, the constituents in their own district, if you will, and they meet everyday people who are doing business and who buy, you know, who are buying and selling and yeah, move the economy. Only, yeah, well, not only realtors, but we are homeowners and right. everything. Yeah. Exactly. And I once had a situation where I had gone to lobby and then went and so went to my representative's office. This was not on real estate. And then a few weeks later, so you sign in on the book. Right. So, you know, there's a, a visitor's uh, book. And I went back and I want to say it was about two to three weeks later. And so I went to sign in the book and noticed that there were only four people between the time I was there and the time, the second time the second around. Time. So how important it is that we do and that they see us, right? you know, and, and whatever your issues are, um, I think it's very important to have that face to face or at least your, at least your name there. So, and your address. Right. Absolutely. It's extre it's extremely important. And this is a critically important year for uh, realtors to get out and vote. We have a realtor registered to vote initiative where we ask every office to make sure you're registered. Uh, we're nonpartisan. We don't tell you what political party to vote for. We just ask yourselves to get familiar with the issues with your legislators. And if you know, if you feel like, and you sense that they're not pro real estate, uh, then you could look for an alternative or, you know, or speak out or meet with them or to try and bring them to our side. But uh, we don't choose parties. We choose the real estate industry and homeownership. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I always donate to our pack. You know, that's mm -hmm. always that. But it's just a check for me. It's like, oh, yeah, check. I'll do that. What the heck? Right. But we do need to get more involved. Right. That's known as the Realtors Political Action Committee. And we accept no amount is too small or too large. <laughs> we ask you all to donate. Um, our goal this year is $205,000. This is for uh, Realtors listening. <laughs> right. This is for the Realtors listening. And we currently are at 112000 So we're doing well. All right. Good. Good. Yeah. And I think that... When you say it's nonpartisan, that's an important aspect for many realtors who have specific. This is for protecting the rights of homeowners and people, yeah, you know, or I, or landowners. It's for our industry. Yeah, right. I can't imagine anyone thinks it's political. I mean, it's political. Everything but it's is not, political. Yeah, today. yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything <laughs> these days is with social media. Everything gets politicized. This these is days. not. This is, this is totally just real estate. Right. Yeah. This is this is nonpartisan and. 
when we go up to meet with the lawmakers, we ask whether it's realtors or people, a friend attending with a realtor, please, please, please do not bring up uh, social issues or any type of other real fiscal issue outside of our agenda. We don't have any positions on those, and we will not ever take a position on those. That is mm-hmm. that is for you on your separate own time to do with what you'd like. Mm-hmm. And how involved were we with the... Um with the tax changing of the tax code as far as the real estate. So the the, the federal tax code, um, as you know, the law changed. So the law says now for um, the um, the deductions for state and local taxes, which include income and property, uh, you can only now deduct up to $10,000. So for some people that might affect some areas, for others um, it might not. It really is all local. Mm-hmm. It depends um, how much the person, you know, the person feels they're making and whatnot. Right. Um, but the te- I think it's going to have a negative effect on New York overall. But the question is how negative? And I'll say the answer is really we just don't know yet mm-hmm. because we ha- we really need to wait probably until tax season next year to see what the impact on values were and home sales. And until that happens, I don't think we could make a definitive saying that this is definitely the disaster it was or whether it, was, it hurt, but you know, we were able to absorb it yeah. better than we thought. Because I had in our office in December, there were realtors calling their clients to pay ahead, pay for next year. But I called my accountant and he said, don't do that. He right. said, just stay steady. Right. The, the average tax burden was about 13700 back in 2009. And today it's $20,500 in the state of New York, the average property tax bill. So um, average is 20000 Yeah, the average is 20000 Well, remember that, that, that if you're talking New York State, you're also thinking the city. The, the city. Well, the and, city is the yeah. big, and, right. But taxes Dutchess in- Dutchess County. Taxes well. in the <laughs> suburbs have, are not, they're not proportional to income and for people- that are on fixed incomes, uh, the tax bill is devastating. Um, we have the we support we're strong supporters and lobbied for the New York State property tax cap, which I think has helped rein in some of the growth, but it, it hasn't lowered it. It's only reined in the excessive increases that we see. That means that you can only increase yearly at two at two percent. Correct. It could be two percent, or it could be different because there's different formulas mm-hmm. that the local governments do, or the rate of inflation, whichever is less. Um, but a lot of the local governments complain that well, um, what's it called? We need to raise revenue to meet our costs. Costs, but the local governments that w- uh, that we say uh, the local governments need to do a better job economically of managing themselves. They, yeah, sure. They have expenses that are out of control. They right. have, um, you know, we're we're not begrudging them for paying their employees well. We think that's great. Um, but they there's a lot who have surpluses for years and don't tell the public about it. And they could have money left over that they've had for five, ten years. They just spend, right, right, that they could spend without raising taxes. We should have had Steve sit in. <laughs> Steve Newhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Our county exec had the show has the show before us. And he left. But you know, going over this this might be something for him to yeah, it's discuss with us because it does affect all of us. Absolutely. And you'll see that half to two thirds of a lot of school and local government spending is not even not necessarily their fault because a lot of it is mandatory mandate relief and mandated by Albany that Albany places on them that says you must spend on a certain priority, even if the local government doesn't think it's in that important for their area. And that artificially drives up your taxes. That's right. a hidden cost. I mean, our county for. taxes haven't been bad. They've, they've, no, they've, yeah, they've, they've been yeah. going down, actually. It's the school that just... You know, and it, it and it's a right. conundrum because you definitely want good schools. Sure, right. you know. Sure. So how does how it's, does but that? But it's control of spending. Right. Know? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Right. It's yeah. how they manage it. Break. Okay, we're going to be going to a break. Sorry. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the other side. You're welcome. 
Chris Steritz has been an award-winning associate broker for more than 28 years. Chris's vast knowledge of Orange County ensures that your goals will be met whether you are a buyer or a seller, and she will help with your home inspection, mortgage, and appraisal process. She's also a specialist in corporate relocation, and the home inventory on her website is always current. For more information or to contact Chris, visit chrissteritz.randrealty.com. Hi, this is Marcia Talbot, a licensed real estate broker of Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, specializing in residential, land, and vintage homes. Rest assured that I will make your experience smooth and pleasant and hold your hand through the entire process. As a resident of Orange County since 1976, I know every nook and cranny of this area. Please contact me at marcia.randrealty.com for the best experience in your buying or selling process. The real estate market is hot. If you have been thinking of selling your home, now is the time. At Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, we pride ourselves on delivering an exceptional client experience. Our professional agents will provide you with the market data you need to price your home properly and follow through with the best marketing to get your home sold. Call our office today at 845-986-4848. Hi, this is Michael Newhart, Mayor of the Village of Warwick, inviting you to tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. to Village Life and learn about the village happenings. Call and share your ideas, comments, and suggestions, and be part of the show with me and Mary Kalora on WTBQ. This is Zach Crux, Sports Director for WTBQ. Tune in every weekday morning to the Frank Truatt Morning Show to get the latest news, scores, and info about your favorite teams and players. That's every Monday through Friday on the Frank Truatt Morning Show right here on WTBQ. I'm gonna make this place your home. Hi, welcome back. This is Suzanne Dermony with the Better Homes and Gardens in Goshen, and I have Marsha Talbot here. Hi. Hi, there's Marsha. And I have Phil Wyden. Good morning. From. the Hudson, Hagar, right, right, absolutely. Hudson you know, Gateway Association for Realtors, and I, I just said to him on the break how I'm so impressed with this guy. He's really, I mean, it's a nice little package sitting over here. He looks, <laughs> he looks great, very handsome, but he's so stinking smart, and I'm just so impressed with everything you're saying. You know so much, and oh. it's so important. People like you are so important, you know, because you just have a great knowledge of so everything that's we going are on. fortunate to yeah have oh as our wow. representative. oh thank yeah. you so much yeah. i appreciate that i never met your you mother. before and I, <laughs> yeah and I, I you're amazing so oh, it's really cool i appreciate that yeah. thank you so during the break we talked about we're going to start asking questions about flood insurance because we do have a lot of flood zone areas in our in orange county uh, in the area not just orange county and i had actually had a property that i was trying to sell out on uh, County Route, uh, on the Pulaski Highway, okay. in the Black Dirt area. Obviously, we have our Black Dirt area. Okay. Um, and um, so we were out there, and the Quaker Creek, which winds its way through the Black Dirt over towards Florida and out, uh, I mean, the bed where we were was dry. The Quaker Creek is a very low creek, obviously, except for if it floods. And uh, this property had to carry $4,000 worth of flood insurance, which we didn't know. Right. So it definitely affects a lot of people, um, even though the bed was dry. And, you know, people may not even know that. They was know, It wasn't black dirt. It was upland? It was black dirt. Well, we were a house, and black dirt was right next door. Yeah, well, black dirt is um, wetlands. Yeah, uh, well, I didn't know that. 
Yeah. You can't, you can't build. What it is was um, glacial bottomland. It was a lake. And well, yeah, you can just tell that by the topography. But you know the black dirt's not natural. It was brought in. No. Yeah, I've heard that. I, that, I'll have to ask a farmer. You're going to have to Google that. <laughs> but I do know, and then we'll get right to the flood insurance, is that back when they were um, starting the um, NASA with satellites up in space, uh, you know, back in the 60s when they were uh, launching the satellites, I think it was late 50s actually, but 60s, um, they were launching the satellites. Uh, NASA did not know what the black dot was in upstate New York. They actually had to send people here to investigate what are they seeing from the satellite images oh, that's in so upstate interesting. New York. And it was us. Yes, I have actually heard it's not natural soil theory that it was brought in. But well, there was mass, they, they find mastodon bones on yeah, it. The one yeah. in our, the Orange County's yeah. college, the, uh, the SUNY College. Um, which we used to be called our right. county community college. I just have to get my head around the newer name. Yeah, so And um, there's a hall with the mastodon. Yeah. And um, there used to be an incredible collection. Unfortunately, there was a barn right at the beginning of Pulaski Highway, and it burned down. It had the most amazing collection of artifacts. Oh, wow. Arrowheads oh, wow. and bones and tusks and wow. just amazing. Yeah. So it was really yeah, a, that's cool. A, 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 oh, well that, you know, that's the fun thing about our area is the topography. I mean, yes. it's really unique. But flood insurance. Yes. So what's going on with that? So flood insurance, we thankfully got a the budget passed through September, which is the end of this year, the fiscal year. Uh, the president signed it. Um, it was passed with bipartisan support, um, a $1.3 trillion spending package. And in that, it extended flood insurance through the end of July, um, which is great. Uh, every time flood insurance lapses, meaning the national flood insurance programs, um, it holds up 40,000 home sales a month, according to the National Association wow. of Realtors, fall through the cracks. And that could mean uh, that's lost home sales, that's lost tax revenue, that's lost spending for that local area. All those factors affect it, um, uh, the economy, when a flood insurance deal does not go through. People's um, lives. People's lives, right, absolutely. So what we're working on, and we're happy about the short-term extension, but we're, we've been working on a long-term extension, what's called the five-year reauthorization because that's typically uh, the maximum amount uh, how they would extend the bill or a law um, by that amount is five years where uh, different uh, flood insurance and different private plans could compete with the current flood insurance uh, because different properties right now, flood insurance rates ever since Hurricane Sandy, um, uh, the federal government now requires uh, higher rates, dr more dramatic rates to correlate to the private market and to what the risk is, uh, the risk of, of the floods in the area. Um, which w we think that's okay, but what we also said was uh, people should be offered a different set of plans, like, for instance, car insurance or health insurance that you might want to buy. So maybe you want to only buy insurance for part of your house and not buy the in insurance for the entire house. So you have like car insurance where you could buy maybe damage for if you damage another car, but not necessarily your car. Or if you're a 30 year old for health insurance, you might not need health coverage like you're 80 or 50. Um, and so we want private levels to come in and compete, uh, in, including the government-insured ones now, which we think would be great. Okay, so I have a house at the shore, so I'm trying to correlate this with myself. And sure. I, but I know that- Just what, a lot of houses. What, <laughs> I don't own the one in Manhattan, my siblings do. You know. But so this one at the shore, it's on uh, Barrier Islands, uh, Seven Mile Islands, Stone Harbor, New Jersey. Okay. And no Stone Harbor. Yeah, it's really great. And. <laughs> 
we need flood insurance. You right. know, we're like from here to there to the ocean, from here to there to the bay. And the ocean and the bay meet. They met during Sandy. They've met multiple times where the water comes in, uh, you know. So, but if, but I always, I'm very happy to pay my flood insurance because I know it's going to flood. Right. But if my property floods, it's just, you know, going to flood and it's going to ruin the house. It's going to ruin the ground level, which ruins the whole thing. Right. So how, if you're going to be buying, and I'm just curious for myself, and for everybody else, um, if you're going to be buying flood insurance and they want it to be on a more of a, you can buy multiple plans. Right. But don't I just want the most, the best, and the top flood insurance, which is what I feel I have right now, rather than buying a smaller plan or a lower plan? Right. So th that's a great question. And the really answer is it's not yes or no, is it depends. I mean, it depends what area you're on. So where I'm from, uh, I, I'm not sure of all the, like, what Jersey Coast in terms of where each property is located, but it it really is all local and depending on what like right you know what plan you would want to buy. Um, where I lived, so I lived on Long Beach, Long Island for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. I'd go to work, would come home, go There's swimming, no and then relax <laughs> relax in my apartment. Uh, but it would uh, that you would probably want extensive and full coverage. Right. It's a barrier island. Right, that's what I have. Right on right. the water. Right. So for that, uh, or, or there's a potential that the, the, uh, flood insurance companies might not even offer coverage because of such a high risk of so that. So the, then they would only be government that would offer it. Right. It could only be the government. Sometimes the government in certain spots doesn't even, depending on the area, is very local. This is a very, very local that they don't even cover it because they said the risk is just too great well, in some Louisiana, areas. Louisiana, I would imagine, parts of that. Parts of that, for sure, for sure. So the, the, answer, the answer is it really depends because there are parts of Long Island that are really on the south shore but could be deemed in a flood zone but then never flood there you know they might have flooded in sandy but the next storm before that was hurricane gloria in the early 80s so you know which is a 30 years apart from each other but hurricane season starts soon exactly Absolutely. and this only goes one i heard i think june right right this goes through july and this only goes through july right so people who i mean this is for the general public to definitely call your representatives and ask for them to work on flood insurance for, right. your, for yourselves. Right. Contact your congressman. Uh, you know, that could be Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney if he covers up here. It he could does, be, yeah. Right. So that's him. Uh, he's very supportive. All our local uh, congressmen here in this in, in the state of New York in our area are on both sides of the aisle are actually very supportive of our uh, issues. Um, they don't realize a lot of other states don't realize what New York faces, um, with, whether it be flood insurance or the tax law. That was part of the uh, problem we faced with the tax law was that um, in New York, we have a lot higher property taxes. So yeah. they were for the law. A lot of other states, only about five to 10 states were really against this law uh, from our association because a lot of the other states have very low property taxes. Except New York State gives much more money to the federal government than we receive. Right, exactly. We give a lot more money to the so feds. We support all those low taxes. Right. We don't get what we invest to the federal government back to the state of New York. And oh. they try to make this point that, oh, well, New York excessively spends, but other states get farm subsidies and crop subsidies and all different types of aid from the federal government, too. So... Um, so that is important. So we urge everybody so that and we urge Congress to reauthorize it uh, in the summer, reauthorize the NFIP and pass the long term reauthorization. OK, we actually have a phone call. Great. So this is very exciting. Mm -hmm. OK. Uh, hello. How are you? 
Okay, how you doing? Is this Susan Marsh and Phil? Um, it is, just, and this is? <laughs> this is Mark. I just had one question that I wanted to ask Phil. Sure. Is how often are the flood maps updated usually, and when were they last updated? Uh, that's another answer that really depends. I mean, sometimes these flood maps, you have t places where they've been updated recently within the last few years, and for some places, the maps haven't been updated um, potentially 15 or 20 yeah, years. Yeah, I think in our area, I think it was 2012. They yeah, I was going to say it was fairly recent. Yeah, they, right. were, they were drawn. The one who and would change now. The one who would know these answers and you want to contact would be. And don't quote me 100 percent on this, but you probably want to either consult your local town or village government or also ask the local FEMA flood adjuster, whoever the mm -hmm. federal em emergency management agency contact is for the area. Yeah, they do have our tax map, our flood maps online. Uh, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Mark. You could go online and look up FEMA, and you should be able to get answers on that. But even the, you know, the county the website. companies require it as well, you know, every so often? So, sorry, say that again? Do the insurance companies also require it to be every so often? To update the flood maps, I don't Correct. think the insurance companies. I think rely on the adjusters or whatever FEMA may tell them. Correct. That's that right. is that is my my best guess. Um, the the insurance companies also. We had a lot of times where in the last two storms with Hurricane Irene and then Sandy, is a lot of insurance companies tried to say, well, this is natural erosion and there was nothing going on, right. so they tried to get out of paying. Right. It was just a question. I was curious about this information. Oh, thank no, you it's very a, much. You're welcome. It's a great question and uh, happy to answer it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Okay, thanks. Phil. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Take care. You too. Susan, bye. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely affects our area. Yeah. You know? Oh, it affects. I mean, we're not by the coast, but it affects Yeah, us. it affects everywhere, and it affects not just uh, residential, but it affects commercial properties, and they, they face extensive flooding. But if you're on a streams up here or rivers, then then it could have faced extensive damage, depending on what part of the county here. Pine Island. In. Pine right? Island floods. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. The, not the not the little village, but and do we have the time to touch on the mortgage debt or no? Are we running out of time? Uh, yeah. I think so. I think yeah. we have a minute or so. Okay. Sure. So the mortgage debt relief affects short sales um, when you have a short sale on a property. We got that extended through the end of the year, and what that is is when a property is sold as a short sale, a person faces what they call phantom income, or when the house is right. worth less than the when the house is worth the value is worth less than the mortgage. Um, currently, uh, under mortgage debt forgiveness, the taxes that you would owe and the debt is forgiven. So that way the sale can go through. Is that the same with foreclosures? Uh, well, foreclosures, no. And this is why it's critical to get mortgage debt relief uh, re-upped year after year, because if the short sale doesn't go through, then uh, the family and the neighborhood faces foreclosure. That depresses home values. Um, uh, short sales are lengthy, but the person doesn't take necessarily nearly as bad as a, as a credit hit. Um, they still have to dig themselves out, but it's much better than facing foreclosure, which is devastating and takes years to recover from. Okay, uh, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we also want to thank our sponsors, Chris Staritz from uh, Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, and Rachel Heiss, A, for covering for me, and she's our manager in the Better Homes <laughs> in the Warwick office. Thank you, everybody, for coming by today. Phil, thank you also. Thank you.